None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast, Kratom Science Journal Club, or on any page of KratomScience.com is intended, nor should it be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Journal Club with Dr. Jonathan Cachet, neuroscientist and expert in psychopharmacology. In each episode, we discuss an article in a peer-reviewed journal. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. Goats. Kratom with the goats. The goats. This is this is really interesting. Uh, so it's called the effects of supplementing finishing goats with Mitragyna speciosa corth leaf powder on growth performance, hematological parameters, carcass composition, and meat quality. So they fed a bunch of goats kratom, and this is a study. very interesting. Yeah, it's a study out of Thailand, published in a journal called Animals. And it was a team of uh, animal scientists, agricultural scientists. Uh, there was a botanist on there. And I'll just read, quote, The objective of the, of the study was to see how dried Mitragyna speciosa corth leaves, which they called DKTL, dried kratom leaves. Yeah, dried kratom leaves, affected growth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hematological parameters, carcass characteristics, muscle chemical composition, and fatty acid profile in finishing goats. And they were a breed of goats that said it was half native Thai and half boar goats. Now, boar goats are like huge meat goats. They're just like full of muscle. Oh, okay. And I, I don't know what native Thai goats look like. I tried to Google it really quick, but I couldn't find them. But they're kind of like a crossbreed. Studying 20 goats... And um, five of them received no kratom. Five of them received. Uh, it was really weird um, levels. It was um, five received a daily supplementation of 2.22, 4.44, and 6.66 grams per goat per day of dried kratom leaves. Right. For 90 days. I'm just wondering why they picked uh, 2.22, 4.44, 6.66. Yeah, it must have something to do with the, the other mixtures that they were feeding them. Mm-hmm. And this this is in with their feed. It's pretty interesting because, I, I mean, they're ruminants, so they eat green food. And, and goats, because I, I studied this a little bit because I was looking into, I was a farmer for seven years from 2004 to 2011, and I was looking into possibly raising goats for meat. So I did a little research on this before, just but very little uh because i'm like yeah that's probably gonna be expensive and i don't who's gonna buy goat meat i don't know <laughs> but uh-huh. in general like we know we have like uh chickens and cows and they are super bred to produce meat um i think goats even though these boar goats are super muscular and they are bred specifically for meat they're not as uh frankenstein level as uh chickens pigs and cows are here i think they're still 
raised on pasture mostly, but green food is good for all the, that's why grass fed beef tastes better. Uh, there's pastured pigs and their meat always tastes better. And this is a study in Thailand where Kratom's all over the place. My first thought was, well, Thailand's now has legal Kratom. They're going to be selling it to human beings. So even if this was good for goats, I wonder if it would be efficient to feed them since it's going to be a crop for human beings pretty soon it might be really expensive yeah it's prioritized for getting put into feed stock yeah i see what you're saying there in the introduction it said the world's rapidly growing population along with widespread opinion that animal products are advantageous to human health has increased the demand for animal products dramatically which I don't think it's necessarily a good thing. <laughs> um, I think it's because maybe because of the wealth in China and that region, a lot of people are becoming middle class, and uh, they it comes with everything uh, that a middle class culture wants, like um, air conditioning and more meat and uh, cars and stuff like that, which is not necessarily good for the environment they eat goat meat more in other parts of the world than we do here but uh i think we're starting to eat more of it over here i was really surprised at the like number of different things that they measured like Mm -hmm. to to say that if it was improving uh goat meat quality or not so you know they were looking at the average effect on body weight on average daily gain on feed conversion ratio, but also the carcass composition, the yeah. meat pH, the meat color, and there were several, um, like you know, uh, like saturated fats or un- unsaturated fats that they were looking at, like different protein contents. And it, I, I didn't realize that that much thought. And I mean, it makes sense, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily I'm not aware of, you know, the food sciences where they're doing these types of analyses. The the one thing I did raise was chickens. Like, yeah, they're talking about the fatty acids, the temperature, color, and physical properties, and uh, all this stuff. I did raise meat chickens, but, you know, I didn't uh, get into... Feed conversion was a big one, though, because that's really where the overhead is versus the meat. Like, if they're in-house, I raised mine on pasture, so you you lose a lot of the feed conversion because they're just getting more exercise. But the meat actually tastes better when they get some kind of uh, green food supplementation and and um, mm-hmm. outside stuff. However, the type of chickens I was raising was the standard meat chickens. So when they're indoors, I could get them down to about a three to one conversion ratio. But when they're indoors, they get them down to like two to one. So for every two pounds of feed, you get a pound of meat, which is insanely good. I'm not exactly sure what goats do, but with this supplementation, they definitely want to measure like feed conversion ratio because that's the main thing. I think that's probably the main thing that farmers um, look at because they got to buy, you know, a truckload of feed. They got to um, sell this much meat and they, they have to cover their costs. Um, so if anything makes the feed conversion ratio better like a supplement like kratom or anything else they will and and for ruminants they eat a lot of grass and hay so if you have a good pasture you're going to want them to get as many nutrients nutrients as they can on on your pasture that you grow because that's basically it's not exactly free but that's uh, basically a free supplement so you want to have healthy pasture but uh for people who don't a lot of um they need to use more you know nutritional supplements and the actual feed and so for chickens the feed conversion ratio 
you said is like a good number for indoor is what? Two to one. They've gotten it down so, at two to one. I mine was about three or four to one when I raised them on pasture, because they get more exercise, so they're burning more calories. But it also makes it also makes for like a leaner meat and a better tasting meat. So, I, but I was also had to sell them for a lot more because I wasn't able to, um, you know, get the lower price on feed that a that a bulk buy would get. I I could buy like a ton or two tons at a time, which wasn't you know I didn't even get a price break from a feed store but uh so i had to yeah. so i had to charge more for them because i was a, on a small scale but but two to one because because they're in when they're indoors they have nowhere to go they have no sunlight they're not getting exercise they're crammed kind of together so they don't move a lot but that converts to a better um feed conversion ratio because they're just gaining weight yeah so it looks like for the goats they were it's an fcr of around 5.5 um, but then across all of the four different treatment groups, it stayed relatively the same. So at least for this particular one, feed conversion ratio, it doesn't look like Kratom necessarily increased or decreased the effects there. Kratom supplementation showed no detrimental effects on body weight, the average daily consumed, no feed conversion ratio, carcass competition, composition, meat pH, or meat color. color. So okay. giving the Kratom uh, didn't result in any of the, any negative effects there. So like they weren't smaller, they didn't have to eat more, the conversion ratio is relatively the same. How does meat pH come into play in terms of meat meat's taste? Do you know? Are you aware? Of no. I mean, I wasn't aware of it, but I think in this study... Initial pH and temperature were measured at the 12th and 13th ribs. <laughs> of course, it's hard following to search slaughter. for pH <laughs> in a document. Um, meat pH. Um, yeah. After corpse has been chilled... <laughs> Some of these, some of the language they use in this, they, I think it's maybe a translation thing because they said the goats were murdered in a slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> we usually just say slaughtered. I think murder uh, in uh, English uh, means a more sinister kind of meaning. But if you're like a hardcore vegan, then it is murder to you too. But um, it, it was interesting to see it in this study. But uh, after the corpse had been chilled, the right. pH and temperature were tested at the same site pH of muscle after slaughter is one of the most important factors affecting meat quality since it impacts tenderness color and water retention capacity okay there it is lactic acid production and accumulation accompanying the depletion of muscle glycogen reserves furthermore rigor murders occurs in sheep and goat carcasses when the pH of the longest mus muscle is between 5.6 and 5.8. So it really affects the quality of meat after slaughter. So that's why they're um, testing for pH. Yeah, and it looks like also like just how well it will store, how long it will keep. So like if the mm -hmm. pH is too low or it's too acidic, then it could like rip through the proteins in the, you know, of the meat. And then, you know, it couldn't be stored for very much longer. Okay. That's interesting. I thought it was, I was trying to figure out if there's, if like for good meat, do you want it to have a higher low pH? But it, I think necessarily it's just that in order to store meat or more meat to be just as good after it's been stored, you want it to have a, a balanced pH, I think is probably the target. Yeah, and, and then they talked about color, which is obviously, like, if it looks gray, people aren't going to buy it in, at the marketplace. That's So that's important. That's so interesting because you, you hear that come up, too, with, like, salmon. And so, like, if you're looking at um, a, 
agri or ecological agri equal like food fisheries, right? They one of the problems they would have with keeping the salmon in these large groups to harvest them was that the meat would no longer be like pink or bright red. It would turn gray. And while, you know, I guess, you know, I guess I'm just sort of like skeptical whether or not, like, would I rather have meat that looks the right color because it's been injected with a dye or would I rather just have it be the color that it is? And I guess, you know, I guess I've never been exposed to meat that doesn't have the dye in it. So I'm, I'm always just by default. And I guess if I, you know, was at the grocery store and there were a few packages there and one of them was really gray versus the ones that are red, I guess, I, you know, I, I, uh, you can't deny the fact that the visual, like the visual indicators of quality are not going to change. Yeah. Um, and it just is what it is. And it's funny, like, even with things like tomatoes, we used to sell ugly tomatoes for cheaper because people would just pick all the nice-looking ones. Even though the mm -hmm. ugly ones, like, I just, we were just at a uh, uh, cookout at, at um, my wife's cousin's, uh, yes, or on Sunday. They're, one of their neighbors was giving away tomatoes, and there's this big, ugly tomato, but it's delicious. <laughs> They're just giving away. Right. But, but, like, yeah, people people will pick uh, based on, especially with meat, I think, because you think if you see something you're not used to, it, it just goes off in your head that it's bad, even though if it's even though it's dressed up and colored and dyed and right, right. wax yeah. on apples and whatnot. It's important. It's important. Yeah. So, okay, it didn't, uh, didn't change the meat color, didn't change the meat pH, so we're all good there. So this isn't the first study for kratom supplementing and goat feed. Uh, there's been a couple others. It says, uh, quote, it has been discovered that these products can lower ammonia nitrogen, blood urea nitrogen, cholesterol, LDL, and triglyceride levels. LDL is the bad cholesterol, while increasing high-density lipoprotein levels, which is the good cholesterol, probably owing to high levels of metragenine or secondary metabolites, which are assumed to be induced by direct inhibition of cholesterol, LDL, and triglyceride synthesis in the liver. Uh, now I'm getting into the woods of not really knowing what they're talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, there have been a lot, you know, like I know that cholesterol always comes up in a lot of the like subreddits where people want to know, is Kratom affecting my cholesterol levels? I don't necessarily know what the general consensus is. I think there have been studies, some of the uh, Malaysian studies where they, you know, take uh, about 200 people and then they just give them blood tests uh, who, who use Kratom. And I, th I think it's in general the cholesterol improved uh, among the Kratom users, but who knows if that's because they eat less uh they have a better diet or because uh, they're using Kratom because um, they have physical labor jobs that help helps them with anyway. So they're, if they're exercising a lot, they would have better cholesterol. Um, uh -huh. But, but uh -huh. it seems as though in goats, I mean, which would every goat ha probably has the same <laughs> basic lifestyle. It seems like it, it would indicate that, it does actually do something with uh, lowering cholesterol. Has like a Lipitor-like uh, effect, maybe. Yeah, I'm looking at Table 10 now. So the effects of uh, kratom leaf supplements on plasma parameters for fattening goats, and so this is all of the cholesterol percentages here. And so you know, in the tables they have the okay T0 is the uh, control group. So or T1 T is not getting any of yeah. the any cholesterol. So yeah, it does look like they're either held the same. 
or reduced except for the triglycerides. It looks like triglycerides could potentially increase, but for everything oh, yeah. else there. They're uh, always, uh, it looks same. like triglycerides are actually much higher in the, in the goats that got the most kratom. Total but I guess I would say, too, that the p-value is not significant there. So it doesn't look like, at least statistically, yeah. none of the parameters looking at cholesterol were different between the uh, between the controls and the kratom-supplemented goats, which I guess, you know, and that's why, you know, I guess that sort of points to the consensus that we're, we're just discussing and that there's not really conclusive evidence that kratom will push cholesterol levels either way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like the the sample size in in both the human studies and in this, where there was twenty goats, is just not enough, and it's not a stark enough difference. Um, but I, I think with some of these, they kind of want them to be consistent. Like, mm-hmm. like if it's, it's if it's not lowering um, feed conversion, then that's not necessarily bad i'll just read it however because red meat has a low proportion of beneficial polyunsaturated fatty acids and is high in saturated fatty fatty acids some consumers believe it is under undesirable and i think the meat is undesirable not the fatty acids and i'm glad we moved yeah. on to fatty acids because that's where some of the significant differences were were actually found well in the former studies they cited cited it seemed to promote uh, good cholesterol over bad cholesterol and then also they're trying to get it to promote good fats over uh, right. saturated fats pretty sure like grass-fed beef and also like buffalo versus cow I know it's leaner but I don't know if the actual fat is this type of polyunsaturated fat versus saturated fat um, I imagine it would be. I'm just looking at table seven now here, the supplement uh, effects of kratom leaf supplement on fatty acid profiles that for uh, 14 carbon long chains, the kratom supplement decreased and decreased for the 18. But I would assume that I would assume that the fatty acid profile does have a significant effect on the taste of the meat. Yeah, and which is weird. I mean, I haven't eaten enough goat to know. I've had it a couple times, but it seems like it would be leaner to begin with. So you you'd wonder maybe you know if they wouldn't, because I know I know I mean I knew a couple farmers that they raised uh, they did like pasture raised pigs, but they also finished them on corn, so they would develop kind of a layer of fat and and have flavor at the end. Uh, and they wouldn't be so you know lean, and that's just how they've always done them. Um, they weren't even like uh, new. They were like a traditional old school generation after generation farmers, and they were just like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is how we all. It's not a new sustainable thing for us. This is how our family always did them. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering about that with goats. Like, would they even want them to be uh, super lean if they already are kind of lean in general? Because they're yeah, pro- they're probably yeah, closer to venison. The- and what you just read too about red meat. So because red meat is low in beneficial polyunsaturated fatty acids and is high in saturated fatty acids, some people believe that that makes red meat undesirable. So like compared to a chicken, which is already a leaner meat, the red meat is not as as preferable, or at least that's the idea. It looks like for the polyunsaturated, it decreased... I'm just looking at the significant values. It's so it's it's wild because the differences we're talking about here are not that great. So like poly 
unsaturated fatty acids in the controls was 11.81, whereas in the highest dose of kratom was 10.01. So that's like a difference in uh, one gram per day, or no, that's not one gram per day, um, percentages of total fatty acids. Mm -hmm. So 12% versus 10% uh, total polyunsaturated. So I guess it, you know, it does lead to a decrease. So that's, that's good. You're getting, you're decreasing uh, what people would consider as the like the non beneficial fatty acids. Uh, yeah, that's where it seems like the kratom supplementation helped, and and it also said uh, their average daily gain of the people with the the people the goats with the uh, higher the four point four and six point six levels was increased average daily gain. I'll read it. This quote. This might be due to the fact that. Uh, DKTL, um, dried kratom leaves, includes bioactive compounds with a variety of modes of action on digestive processes. Uh, the majority of bioactive compounds discovered in herbs increase bile acid synthesis and excretion in liver. In the small intestine, bile is required for fat breakdown and absorption. Kratom Polyphenols work as enzyme inducers, binding to enzymes and activating them for a variety of metabolic functions in the body, including digestion and nutrition absorption. So, in this, they're kind of hypothesizing that the increase in average daily gain was from um, kratom aiding in the digestive process, which hmm. is pretty interesting. Yeah. So, they actually gain more weight. But then there was another thing that they said. It's in the same paragraph, but it says the lowest response was observed at 6.66 grams per day of kratom supplementation. Because it, um, I think the average daily gain was highest at the 4.44, and then it went down. However, on the table, it's, it's hard to find. I was kind of confused by this part. But they said this could be linked to the Kratom diets lower palpability compared to controlled diets. Low feed intake, I think it was. The reasons for lower feed intake remain unexplained in the current inquiry. And to slightly reduce nutritional digestibility observed when kratom concentrates were raised over th over the threshold of 4.44. Um, it's thought to include anti-nutritional compounds such as mitragenine. Uh, which might affect animal digestion, metabolism, and nutrient absorption. This could be linked to, to the lower palpability, which means the goats didn't like how the kratom tasted. <laughs> yeah, so uh, when we get to the higher concentration, the 6.66, yeah. the, their weight gain was less um, overall. And there's presumably, or they're, they're suggesting maybe that that's because it started to affect the taste of their feed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so goats are just like us in that they kratom taste terrible to them. <laughs> uh, I don't. I mean, I've fed goats. We've raised goats a few times, and I'll tell you what: when that they food eat comes everything, out, it just gets mowed. Yeah, it just gets mowed down. I Real mean, they'll eat your clothes, and I, I had friends that had goats, <laughs> and like they had goats, and they let them. You know, they would put them in sections of their woods where they want to, like, trim the bottoms. Like, all the bottoms of the trees, every kind of tree, were, like, it's, like, mm -hmm. up to how much, how far they could climb up on there. Uh, so, goats will eat everything. So, it might, that might be wrong. Um, and I was kind of trying to, I don't know, I guess, yeah, yeah. 
I forget which table it was, but it showed that at 6.66, then there was, what, what was it, a weight gain thing? Uh, yeah, T4. so percentage of body weight and then weight yeah. ga- gain. So, yeah, you can see on table three, um, weight gain, you can see that it's sort of like, uh, stays the same between control and the lowest group, and then you get to the middle group that um, the four point four four, and that's the highest. The weight gain was fourteen kilograms versus you know twelve kilograms seen in the other ones. Whereas, yeah. and then the highest dosage was at thirteen kilograms, thirteen point five. It also said the effects of DKTL—that's dried kratom leaves—on carcass width and. Longissimus, which is longissimus muscle area, were substantial. Um, and longissimus, I think, is maybe backstrap. Uh, yes, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, I looked at that. So that's probably the best cut of goats, like just like it is with deer. Um, so they had, um, yeah, the ones that took the kratom had more width and... Um, more uh back back muscle area which is interesting i'm looking at that because it looks like at least for tables five and table yeah table five where they have this sort of like percentage of hind and overall size of the carcass so carcass composition the loins hind legs uh rack shoulder doesn't necessarily look like any of those are statistically significant that i'm seeing but there is some variation that occurred there. It's weird that they don't have the longimus muscle in there. You know, it's just like loins, hind leg, oh, that's uh, me. rack. So no, there, I don't, yeah, I don't see on the width of the carcass, but it looks like overall, you know, so they were looking at the longimus muscle, but they did look at the, like they did break down the, uh, all of the carcasses into their actual like cuts that weighed them and then looked at the, that weight as a percentage of the total uh, carcass weight. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's any real statistical significance in any of those measures. So it looks like like their conclusion is, in this research, DKTL supplementation showed no de- detrimental effects, detrimental impacts on body weight, average daily gain, feed conversion ratio, carcass composition, meat pH, or meat color, as compared to control after... Uh, Kratom treatment, the hot carcass weight, uh, longissimus muscle area, fatty acid, MUFA, the, I don't even know what these things mean, and protein content all increased while SFA, saturated fatty acid, and ether extract decreased. As a consequence, my trigenal leaf supplementation has a feed additives for small ruminant production, which would, I guess, be goats and sheep. Uh, may become yeah. a feasible option in the future. So it's kind of a net positive in general. Um, and if anybody, yeah, so yeah. it seems like on the on the measures that were important and what they were particularly looking at was these fatty acids. So the MUFA is um, monounsaturated fatty yeah, acids. Yeah, okay. So those are like okay. the good, the good uh, saturated uh, fats. And so yeah. if we're increasing the amount of the good unsaturated fats, then that seems like a positive overall for the meat in general. Yeah. It'll be like a leaner meat with, with uh, better fat. I mean, that's what I need to eat is, uh, if I do, cause I try to stay away from, uh, pork and, and, um, and, uh, beef, uh, just to keep my cholesterol down. And but I take Lipitor, so hey, <laughs> modern solution. Well, yeah, 
<laughs> well, and I th- and, you know, I think this is sort of to pull it back to, to where we started to a certain extent, like the question then becomes, are these differences significant enough for there to be a difference in like the, um, you know, the marketing of the meat? And so I yeah. would say, you know, and this is just my in- interpretation after reading this today, that I don't think that we're going to see you know, kratom supplemented goat meat on the shelves, like distinguished from (laughs) regular goat meat uh, anytime soon. It seems like there was a marginal increase in quality indicators. So increasing the unsaturated fatty acids, the overall weight of the longest muscle area increased. But so then the question becomes, does the cost of including kratom in their diet, does that justify you know, is there an increased cost with doing that? And does that justify then like switching to a feed where Kratom is included at all, all the time? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would for like the average farmer. And plus, since Kratom is going to be a commodity in Thailand that's sold to human beings and it's and it's already in the grocery stores actually there, um, I, I just transcribed um, my interview with... Pascal Tangway, who's a, a he's a originally Canadian, but he's like a drug policy expert, lives in Thailand. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about mm-hmm. how it's it's technically it's decriminalized, but they also can now sell it in gro- grocery stores in the produce section. You can get uh, a few leaves for a certain amount, um, so it's basically legalized. And you know, when it's going to be sold to humans as a uh, as what it is, what we use it for, then I don't think uh, farmers are going to be quick to try trying to um, rely on it for their goat regimen. It'd be like feeding goats yeah. marijuana. <laughs> well, that's what I was just going to bring yeah. up because that that has come up a lot in the hemp space, where like, um, so you're growing these massive hemp plants, um, you're getting all the flowers off and you're extracting cannabinoids from them. Those go to humans, but you're still left with like all of the stalks, all of the stems, yeah. like, all of this leftover plant biomass. And one of the, you know, one of the uses for that could be as a supplement in a feedstock. So like transferring yeah. over, um, all of that bio, plant biomass material and including it into to animal feed. In this case, you know, I don't necessarily, it, it, that might be beneficial. You know, the metragenine content is, is much lower in the non-mature leaves, but there still could be a benefit, I think. And they were talking about how in the ruminants, there's like product, there's a fermentation process that happens and whether or not they can utilize the product or um, like inputs or outputs from that fermentation process. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like it helps with that. So maybe including just the like sort of leftover biomass from the process of making Kratom for human consumption could then be supplemented and pushed into, um, you know, feedstock, just sort of like how they're looking at with hemp. Like that, yeah. that seems to me to be what makes the most sense here. It's not necessarily that like the benefits are so worthwhile that we're going to see some diversion of kratom leaves from human products over to animal feed it doesn't necessarily seem like we're there yet yeah yeah um and and another question i had was did the goats get a buzz off of the kratom (laughs) (laughs) like did they change did their behavior change and uh that's that's definitely not included in here i was kind of looking for that like uh 
that their behavior changed at all. And I also know deer like Kratom because those bastards just got my plant again. They ate it. They ate my plant that's been outside since it's been hot and humid here. Uh, it's been outside, and for a while they didn't touch it. And then they got it a couple months ago. And then I got all new leaf growth. And I'm like, okay, I got to put a fence around it. I got to put a fence around it. And I just haven't done it. And then I was just about to do it last night. And last night, there's only, but there's a few leaves left on there. But it grew back way better. Like, they did me a favor the first time. So maybe it's going to grow back again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, they're getting – so, like, the highest dose, they're getting six grams per day. And the average live weight – of them was about 35 kilograms so yeah you know, we're still talking about a dose that it's six grams not kilograms so it's like six grams given over thirty-five thousand grams of body weight that's still like a pretty low dose i mean not even a percentage of their body weight it's you know point zero zero. well yeah uh, but zero. yeah if i take a four gram dose i'll feel it of dry kratom i'll feel it so i'm wondering uh crazily well I, I mean it would if they were looking at it right so like total um distance traveled like exploratory behavior just general levels of activity could have increased or decreased um i wonder if this group like if in the previous paper where they were looking at um using kratom as a supplement for goat feed if that if behavior was noted there like uh in this in this report it seems just primarily about the sort of um chemical composition of the meat and the meat quality at the end, not necessarily the goat behavior. I mean, I guess they're, I mean, I, they didn't go nuts or that would have definitely been a factor. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If something went crazy, it definitely at least would have been mentioned, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's probably a better question for the farmer if there were any like subtle changes in the actual, be- I mean, in the scientists, obviously these goats were on a science farm but like a farmer that has raised goats for years and years probably be the guy to ask if they he noticed any behavioral changes it's interesting i was just doing a uh, quick google to see if there were any studies looking at like uh supplementation of cows or other um domesticated farm animals yeah. and I, I didn't nothing came up but i did there is a blog post at the top that says can can goats eat kratomly i guess um, i assume these are all in like thailand or or somewhere where there's plenty of kratom available. That, yeah, I was going to say, that's where it makes the most sense in that they have kratom around. So if they can use it and there's a beneficial effect, why not? Um, but I although, don't there's plenty, right there's, the although there's plenty of vendors selling kratom for like 50 bucks a kilo. If, uh, <laughs> if any farmer wants to feed their animals uh, kratom that's uh, full of lead and contaminants, <laughs> it might be cheap enough, though, to supplement, supplement your feed with. The, the prices that some of these guys are selling them but well but yeah but if there's like lead or other heavy metals that like especially like yeah. the heavy metal where it, that will get sort of um integrated into the muscle and then it would be then it could potentially fail downstream oh you know, yeah it, yeah because of, because of the risk so i didn't look at the other one but okay just briefly what did you see on the serotonin syndrome <laughs> Yeah, there. This was a case report. Um, it was called "Possible Serotonin Syndrome in a Patient Taking Kratom and Multiple Serotonergic Agents." Very good title. It wasn't 
they could have called it Kratom Induced Serotonin Syndrome, right, which, right. yeah, it's a very good title. And and I just had the abstract, uh, so I didn't have the full study, but it seems like it's, it's a concern about uh, Kratom interactions with other with other drugs, which is a good concern. And there, there was also recently a paper about anesthesiology, which I got into a Reddit discussion about this. Um, somebody said, well, I'm going for colonoscopy. Um, should I tell them I use Kratom? And I said, yeah, because for colonoscopies, they sometimes use fentanyl. And we know that can interact with Kratom. And if you're going under, that's kind of an enough that, or if you're being twilighted, that's enough that you should probably tell your doctor, even though the doctor probably wouldn't know much about it anyway. And they would say, just don't do it. Okay, so this guy was 63 years old. He came in with, okay, I'll read the list. Diaphoresis, which I looked it up, excessive abnormal sweating, flushing aphasia, aphasia is the loss of ability to understand or express speech caused by brain damage, confusion, dysarthria, dysarthria, which is muscles used for speech are weak and you have difficulty controlling them, Uh, right facial droop, Oral temperature of 103.2. Initial differential diagnosis included acute ischemic stroke and bacterial ischemic. Okay, and bacterial meningitis. Despite partial treatment with broad-spectrum antibiotics, symptoms persisted, and subsequent physical exam noted hyperflexia, which is over-responsive body reflexes, clonus which is involuntary muscle contractions, tremors, and a temperature of 106. That was his f- So this guy was in bad shape, basically. <laughs> he was not only on Kratom, but he was also on five different other meds, and they, they call them nootropic meds. So they suspected serotonin syndrome, and then they gave him... A couple of other meds, um, and some of his symptoms cleared up. Yeah, so basically, this guy shouldn't have taken uh, Kratom. Okay, so this is their conclusion, which I think is pretty good. Uh, Risk of serotonin syndrome with multiple serotonergic agents is well known. Kratom is metabolized by cytochrome P40 isozymes, 3A4, 2C9, and 2D6, and exhibits inhibition at those enzymes in addition to 1A2. Pharmacokinetic interactions of kratom with prescription serotonergic agents metabolized through these isozymes has the potential to increase systemic exposure of serotonin, possibly leading to serotonin syndrome. That's probably most likely what happened. I think they did their homework. And um, Kratom does interact with these enzymes, these P450 enzymes, which I think is why it may have contributed to a lot of these uh, quote-unquote Kratom-related deaths where fentanyl was involved. It competes for the enzymes with uh, other medications. And there's a lot of medications that are processed through the P3A4. Yeah. I mean, this guy is a 63-year-old male who's taking one, two, three, four, five different meds that are all related to, like, serotonin levels. So they're all anxiety, depression-related. And the last one there, the Z drug, is an antipsychotic. So, like, 
the, I think the general warning here is that if you're, if you're taking five different drugs daily, all related to like brain chemistry, then yeah, maybe you want to just like tread lightly if you're going to add a sixth because yeah. yeah, serotonin syndrome can really mess you up. I mean, they, they teach us that in psychopharm um, where like people would be taking these antidepressants and then they go out clubbing one night and take like an ecstasy or a molly. Um, and when the serotonin levels get too high, you do start developing all of these, you know, excessive sweating, flushing, confusion, um, some of which can lead to, you know, substantial um, damage in, in like critical areas of the brain. So, yeah, I mean, if you're yeah. taking if you're taking any uh, prescription drugs that modify brain chemistry, you know, you probably want to, you know, venture with caution before adding any other additional ones to that, um, especially if it's involved in, in serotonin signaling, because serotonin syndrome can, can be a real issue. I just hope what we're doing informs some people of Kratom works on a lot of different, they, they didn't mention the activity at uh, the serotonergic receptors or by the kratom alkaloids which we've looked at in a lot of papers mm -hmm. in the past um and we only i only have the um abstract to this so they might have mentioned it in the in the full article it's like you gotta you gotta be careful and the drug drug interaction thing's the, the one that's probably the most risky of doing kratom if you're just doing kratom you if you're especially if you're 63 and you you have a whole right. you have one of those really big uh, monday through friday pill regimen things and lots of vitamins right. and things and I, I feel like this guy should have told his doctor if you have the option don't create him a secret from your doctor i mean it, for one thing it's not illegal and for another thing i don't think doctors are allowed to tell the police if you yeah well, any anytime you're considering ingesting some sort of like psychoactive compound if yeah if you're stacking if you're stacking compounds that affect the same chemicals then you want to proceed with caution i just did an art i just put an article out today about tom segura keeps talking about kratom on uh, your mom's I, house i noticed that yeah i noticed that <laughs> yeah I heard so i did that. an article about and he is taking a an entire shot of like liquid extract before a workout <laughs> and he's like i'm getting geeked out on kratom and so that was my uh when i put it on twitter today i said tom score gets geeked out on kratom and somebody <laughs> said rightly i understand the concern that should we be using that type of language i'm like but that's probably an accurate description for a newbie to be like diving in uh head first with a whole shot of liquid extract where even the companies suggest one or two drops in uh and your tea or something there to boost your regular kratom dose uh, i'm like he probably feels pretty good but uh i hope he's not still on pain pills for his uh his slam dunk injury yeah. injuries because that could be he's looking it up and uh he, he they landed on a um a rehab clinic uh for informa information which is always Here's all the possible side effects that have been ever been listed in any case report, uh, which bone pain was a new one. I've never heard that before. I don't even know. I've never heard of that other than like osteoporosis, bone pain. So that was, although this, it was like Eleanor Health and they, they purport to be a uh, scientific evidence-based source of rehab. 
Uh, so Ooh. it wasn't that bad. The article wasn't that bad, but some of the side effects were uh, hallucinations, of course, was in there. So I had to um, talk about that in my article about Segura. But we actually went and saw him in Pittsburgh. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a your mom's house. Uh, listener, I like how you use the terms Fed smoker level doses, yes. and then also <laughs> recommended his friend Bert Chrysler. Bert Chrysler. So uh-huh. This is certainly not the first time that on those the, in that pod, uh, comedy podcast circle. You know, I've heard it on Fighter and the Kid from uh, Brendan a few times. As well. Oh, okay, and, yeah, and, uh, Brendan Schaub. Yep. Okay, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dr. Jonathan Cachet. Check him out on social media at GetJCachet. Uh, you can like, subscribe, share, do all that stuff. But comment if something stuck out to you that you're interested in or that we're wrong about. Uh, anywhere you listen to these podcasts. The music is Captain Big Wheel. The song is Moonrunner. The Creative Science Journal Club is produced by me, Brian Gallagher. For kratomscience.com. Take care.